Good morning. It's good to see y'all. Uh, welcome. Uh, you navigated time change well, so give yourself a hand about that. Um, it's always, I'm trying to remember, okay, is this forward or backward? I'm, I was so thankful when the phones came out because it tells you automatically. You don't have to figure it out. Uh, it's a nice thing. So it's good to see you. We're uh, still looking through uh, uh, Chapel Roswell University. And so this morning, uh, you know, one of the things college helps us do is have conversation and learn new things and try to figure out new ways of doing things and helping us uh, to grow, to make decisions, to learn a process for making uh, decisions. So that's what I want us to look at uh, today as we dive into Philippians chapter 1, 19 through 26. Paul has a little bit of a dilemma, kind of is throwing that out for folks to weigh in on. Uh, and I think for me, at least, uh, I'm delighted that we do communion once a month here uh, because that kind of uh, helps me get, stay centered uh, with uh, what's keeping the main thing the main thing. Uh, so let's jump into uh, the, the scripture passage. It's from Philippians uh, chapter 1, uh, starting with verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. May God add his blessing to our reading and hearing and understanding of his word. So here in Philippians, uh, Paul is kind of throwing this out, uh, and it sounds like he's convinced, but then it doesn't sound like he's convinced, because it, it, it makes it sound at one point like it's a choice. Uh, what do I want to do? Uh, where am I going to land on this? Uh, but then he says, but I'm convinced of this is what's going to happen. And so he, he's, he's kind of uh, maybe trying to get a little bit of feedback. Don't we do that sometimes? We have a dilemma, a question, we're struggling with something, so we, we kind of make this comment and see if it lands, throw it up against the wall, see if it sticks, see if anybody says anything, see if anybody weighs in on it, uh, we're trying to get a little help. I could keep going, um, and, and to die is gain, it'd be better for me, uh, but probably for you, it's better if I stick around and we kind of work through this some more. Uh, so, uh, Paul's trying to, to figure this out. Um, and w we do that a, g a good bit. So, um, hey, 
Mom and I are thinking about moving to Florida, kids. What do y'all think? And just kind of wait for the response. Uh, hey, I was thinking, I actually, we, Sherry and I actually had this conversation in the car. Hey, well, maybe we should just get married. And then there was a pause, and then we talked about that. It was kind of a way, okay, she didn't throw the, me under the bus with that, so maybe, maybe I, I, we should. Uh, hey, I think I might become a minister. What do you think about that? We throw things out like that, don't we? Hey, Mom and I are thinking about having another child. Wouldn't that be great? Hey, I was kind of thinking about getting a tattoo. Hey, Mom and Dad, I was thinking, I've been reading about this thing called a gap year. Uh, so I might, like, delay college for a while and, and take a gap year. You know, we, we kind of throw a variety of things out there. Uh, throw it out, try to jump into the discussion, see what people think, uh, whether it's our parents or friends or uh, somebody at work or an idea that we have. Um, and it, it's not something that uh, doesn't happen all the time. If we look through the Bible, it's, it's fun to see different occasions where that kind of thing is going on. After Mary hears about being the mother of the child of God, uh, she runs and visits Elizabeth. And I can only imagine the discussion and conversation because, you know, Mary's trying to process that. And she's got a friend in her cousin, Elizabeth, who's also having a child. And so they kick around that. Should I do it? Should I not? You know, what, what's going to happen? How do I tell Joseph about this? How do I tell my friends? How do I tell anybody about this? Does this sound logical to you? How do I, how do I process that? Joseph has the same sort of experience, although it's just in a dream. It, it's not with uh, somebody else, but it's the same processing, right? He has this dream. What should he do? You know he's churning about what should he do. Mary's told him this thing. What, what, should, he, what should happen? Um, Peter and uh, Paul have this discussion all through the book of Acts about what to do with the Jews and the Gentiles. What's going on? What do we do? How do we make the Gentiles become more Jewish? Do we even do that? What's the new landscape look like? How does that unfold? Uh, they had lots of conversations about that. Um, but it's not just Bible discussions and dilemmas. We do that all the time. One of the ways that uh, we do that is, uh, or practice that kind of decision making is in moving the furniture around. Sherry and I do that from time to time. What if we put the, the sofa over here and we put the chair over there, but the TV's back over here. Is there any way we can move the TV off the wall to this wall or over the fireplace? And so you move the furniture around and you kind of look at it, right? Maybe you sit with it for a couple of days and then you go, yeah, I'm not sure I like that. Let's, let's move it back this way. And so you go through all of that again and move things around and sit with it and maybe many times end up putting back the way it was. Um, we do that with lots of things, with style, with a new car, um, 
with food? How will this, how will this look? How will this make me feel? Um, what's, uh, what's that going to look like? We sort of live with that for a while to, to see if that's going to be uh, something we're, we're going to enjoy. Because the dilemma, the struggle all the time is we want to do the right thing. Uh, some things like where we put the furniture isn't as critical as maybe a decision about our life and uh, relationships that we have. But we still want to do the best thing. We want to be the best we can be. We want to do what's right, not only for ourselves, but for others and people that our life impact. And I think that's what Paul is searching for. What's the best thing here? Um, I know that I could be helpful to people, but you know, as Paul is writing Philippians, he's in prison, uh, he's had a rough few years, uh, he's got to be worn out, the future doesn't look that great for him, uh, and to just walk away and walk into heaven sounds really attractive, um, and so he's throwing this out. What, what do y'all think? I'm kind of this <laughs> churning this in my own life and in my heart. And, and he's not asking for feedback. He doesn't say, so what do y'all think? Let me know. But you know that he gets feedback about that um, and trying to figure out what, what to do. And so it's interesting if you turn from chapter 1 to chapter 2, uh, Paul launches into the discussion at the beginning of chapter 2, don't do anything selfishly. Um, and I, I wonder if he's not talking about himself here. Uh, but consider how what you do, what you think, what you say impacts those around you. Uh, a little bit later, uh, Paul is talking about food, and he's talking about the dilemma of our freedom in Christ, uh, that, uh, that, that we can do, uh, it, it's really a matter of talking to God about what God is guiding and leading us, but Paul is super sensitive to the fact that maybe something he eats, maybe something he does, maybe something he says has a negative impact on somebody else. And so he has the freedom in Christ uh, not to worry about that, but he does worry about it because he doesn't want his actions uh, to be a negative impact on people around him. And so uh, as he's considering this struggle in his own life, uh, he goes right into chapter 2 with helping us consider, uh, you know, what is it that we're doing? What is it that we're thinking? What is the dilemma we're pondering? Uh, what is the struggle we're battling? And how, how, how might that impact those around us? Uh, don't act selfishly, but consider how what you do or think or say impacts other folks. A lot of times when we're struggling with a, a question on what to do or how to do something, we, we think or pray or walk through the serenity prayer. Um, accept what you can't change. Change what you can change and uh, seek the wisdom to know the difference between the two. That's, that's pretty good too. 
I heard a preacher the other day talking about when difficult times or struggles or battles come, that our tendency is to kind of lean back away from it, keep it at distance. But his advice was not to lean back, but to lean in because God is good. God's trying to provide a way uh, to help us do the right thing, make the right decisions, live the way that he's called us uh, to do that. And I think that's what Paul is doing here. Paul could figure this all out in his head. Uh, he could uh, say to himself, you know, I've got this struggle. I'm trying to figure out what to do, but I don't want to tell anybody. I don't want to let anybody know. I don't want anybody to know I'm struggling with this or thinking these thoughts. But that's not what he does. He, he not only thinks it, he not only speaks it, but he writes it down uh, for us to consider, for those to consider, for this a letter to be passed around to the, the churches to know this struggle is going on with him and maybe for other folks to say, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Um, it would be easier if we could just escape everything. Uh, but for the good of the people, my family, people that count on me, uh, maybe I should stay around or stay in the game or not uh, jump back. I could do this, but what's best? He doesn't seem to be asking for the feedback, but he sure is getting it. And at the end of the day, he plows ahead with the decision of what's the best thing. And so, I, again, that's, that's why I'm thankful um, that we um, come together for communion uh, once a month. Because for, for me, communion kind of centers me, kind of helps me keep focused on what's important and what's the main thing because at the center of communion is is God um, and so uh, Jesus in that last uh, few days really weeks and months leading up to uh, the crucifixion is, is struggling. He's asking a lot of questions. He's asking his disciples for help. He's frustrated with his disciples when they can't stay with him and pray and stay attentive. Um, but at the end of the day, he says, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so I, I, I was thinking about that phrase, do this in remembrance of me. We usually lift that phrase up when we come together for communion. And so um, what is it that you remember when we say, do this in remembrance of me? What do you remember about Jesus? Or what do you think about? Or what comes to mind? I imagine that if we poll the disciples, it, it may be something different with each one of them. The thing that they remember the most, the thing that uh, they, they hold as the primary um, memory. Uh, I wonder, uh, I, probably the same thing would happen if we all shared. What is it that you, when, when we say, do this in remembrance of me, what jumps into your head? Is there a story? Is there a, a, a verse? Is there an image? Uh, great images around the, the chapel here with the stained glass windows. Uh, something else uh, that jumps up for me. It's usually Matthew 6.33 where Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom of God and then everything else falls in place. 
And I, I, I just find that centering thought. You know, if, if we put finances first, if we put relationships first, if we put something else first, my experience is that things don't fall into place. It, we, we get off balance when we do that. When we put God first, then things seem to find their way. A couple things happen. Either uh, the thing that I'm struggling over kind of works itself out, or it becomes something after a while that, yeah, I'm not, not so worried about that anymore. If I put God first, then the things that are important seem to bubble to the top. If I put something else first, then it's hard to escape the, the, the focus of, of that thing. When I put God first, then I'm reminded to do what I can, don't do what I can't do, and find the wisdom to know the difference between the two. Not focused on what you should do, not focused on what some other church is doing, not focused on what some other minister is doing, only focused on what am I supposed to do? What's God calling me to do? And I think that's what Paul is walking us through in this passage is I've, I've got this dilemma, I've got this struggle. What do I do? What do I do? How do I think about it? How do I pray about it? How do I walk through it? And he says, don't focus on yourself. Be mindful of others. But as we come together, we're, we're reminded in communion that um, Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks over it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. He goes before us. He leads the way. He shows us the way. He models how to live life. And then he says, this is my blood, which is poured out for you. And for many, for the forgiveness of sins. And so as we come together in this place, we're reminded that we've been invited, that we've been accommodated, that, that God has gone before us, that his grace is over, offered to each one of us. It's, it's not the Methodist church's grace to dispense. It's not Roswell's Methodist grace or Chapel Roswell's grace to dispense, to hold on to and say, okay, you can have it. Now nah, I'm not so sure about you, but you can have it. All of y'all over here, it, it doesn't work that way. So if you're, if you're here today, maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you're not a member of a Methodist church. It's not our communion. It's not our offering to give to you. It's God's. And so we invite everyone to come and receive this grace that God offers, that uh, God gives to us so that we can learn from him and in remembrance, whatever that brings to mind in your heart, that as you remember the grace of God, as you remember the story of Jesus, as you remember his act of selflessness as he comes to the cross and dies for you and me, as we recognize our need of God's grace and seek forgiveness and new life and new direction and a way through the struggle or question that's primary in our thoughts, 
that we know that God is with us, not to lean out from and, and try to figure it out, but to lean into and trust that God is with us. Let us pray. Merciful God, we come before you today, not, not trusting in our own wisdom, but in yours, seeking to, to put you first, seeking to receive and discern your guidance in our lives. I pray for folks today who are facing a decision that is, is um, significant, that you would give us wisdom and guidance, that your mercy would uh, hold us up and reassure us. God, we pray for each other that sometimes we don't always do what we set out to do, what we hope to do, to be the person we want to be. And we ask your forgiveness and your mercy. Help us to receive this grace as it's offered through your love and through your mercy and with your encouragement as we go out. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, for communion this morning, we have uh, these little cups and, and wafers that are together. So you'll, you'll be invited to come forward in just a second. And then uh, as the music's played, you can take it back to your seats and... You peel off the, the bottom part and, and the bread is there and then peel off the top part for the juice. Just be careful when you pull off the top part. Sometimes it feels like it's sticking a little bit. If you pull too hard, it splashes everywhere. So, um, and then uh, as we sing, we'll, we'll take communion. So these are gluten-free, uh, so all of them, you don't have to ask for a special one. So we, we're, I'm going to invite Steve uh, and Matt and the girls, if y'all want to come and help, and then we'll have three stations where you can come. Let us pray. Merciful God, thank you for this gift of grace and mercy. Use us to be your hands and your feet in this world today. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen.